I'ma give it to you tasty. Bread it up, fry it, and dip it in the gravy. You want fat fish? Yeah, you know you want to try it. Dip it in the butter, make the fat count higher. Higher, higher, higher. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iPhone X. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way, you can try all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This is Grizzly Kiki. I'm Robert. And I'm Daniel. And we're back for another week. I know. We're in a post-drag race world right now for a little bit. I know. We were in a post-race. We were. Post-drag race world. But it was just kind of nice this week, I think. Like having no drag races yeah, it's, at all. It's nice to not have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, we will later, but... <laughs> we're going we're gonna to miss it sometime around Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so... Um, but I'm enjoying thinking about other things. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm finally getting back to uh, crafting and sewing and corsetry kind of so i'm nice continuing to um i'm continuing to read books that i've been meaning to read for a while i know you've really been like burning through them well when you find the audiobook it's kind of like listening to a podcast but it's like a super long podcast can i ask you about that because i so like when i listen to podcasts i am definitely listening and absorbing what i'm hearing but then i can't recall most of it yeah. For what I don't know why. Because in the moment I'm like really into it, but I'm, I'm I often use it, you know, like in the background. Okay. So with audiobooks, which to me, like you just said, is kind of like a podcast with mm-hmm. a, a narrative. Do you forget things? I would say that listening to the audiobook is the equivalent of skimming uh, written text. Uh, I would say. Like Cliff's Notes, kind of. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, you get like the basic gist, but if you need details, you have to go back. Because I absorb better, like, information better when I when I read it. Yeah, oh yeah. Particularly, like, on paper. Because, like, even, like, ebooks to me sometimes, it's a weird experience. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still not used to it after all these years. Mm-hmm. So I've always wondered what, like, audiobooks are like. I I mean, I've talked about it before on here. I, I love hearing the author's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it adds a... Uh, um, it has like a uh, like a touch like um like this is the person who thought up these these like these pictures that I'm seeing in my brain this person mm-hmm. thought them up so they probably have a little bit like 
like an inflection in their voice or or um like a like a speed or like mm-hmm. some form of timing when they read it like i'm sure that they're able to add another layer because it's it's lives it lives inside their mind mm-hmm. um and i feel like you don't you know i think like because there are teams for most art you don't get the vision of just one person and so that's kind of like a piece of it mm. if that makes sense um it's also it's just it's easier because i can do it while I mean, it's faster because I can do it while I'm at work. Mm-hmm. So um, I just finished listening to uh, the book um, Car Sick by uh, John Waters. And it uh, it was very interesting. It It's written in three parts. So there's his version of like his like fantasy version of what a good trip would be. Well, mm-hmm. I should t- say what the book is about. So the book is about John Waters hitchhiking from his home in Baltimore to his home in San Francisco. Mm. Um, so there's, so the, the book is written in three parts. The first part is um, a fictionalized version of his like fantasy, like best case scenario for this trip. Um, the second is the worst possible thing that could happen. And then the third part is what actually happens. Oh, well, which I have to say, now having read the whole thing, it's so funny how, like, human beings can be, like, perfectly nice, but still be, like, weird, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, there's a, there's a guy in the, in the real section that, like, is constantly like, where are you? I'm going to come get you. Where are you? I'm going to come get you. And then, like, eventually does come meet him and just, like, keeps going with him all the way to San Francisco, basically. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And it's like, what are you, why, why are you here? Like, what is it? Like, it just starts to get weird at a certain point. And John really, like, acknowledges. He's like, I, do I, does he sleep in the same room as me when I stop at a hotel? Like, how does, mm-hmm. how, like, there's just a, a weird energy about it. And Sounds very awkward. It's not that John's awkward because he's the one that ac- acknowledges it no, in no, the I'm, first place. I'm not saying, like, he's i'm just saying it's awkward like the whole situation becomes awkward because nothing's discussed until you know what you're because it's this young like republican kid who yeah so i don't know um but it was a good book i would definitely Mm -hmm. recommend listening to it Mm. it's very interesting hearing it told from his voice um and i'm excited for the next one which hopefully fingers crossed guys is um tiffany haddish's the last the last black unicorn right Something like that. I have, I have not read a book in ages. Hopefully, fingers crossed. If those hold lines at the digital library move quickly, it'll be Tiffany Haddish. <laughs> fingers crossed. I think right now the two I have, like the two I have on hold, the two audiobooks are um, Gabrielle Union's "We're Gonna Need More Wine," and <laughs> which I'm sort of like middle of the road about reading um, because I don't know that I care enough. Like that sounds fucked up. I've loved Gabrielle Union from the beginning. Being Mary I just don't Jane know. made me stop caring. Really? Oh, babe, yes. Remember, remember, remember when we tried to watch it, like when it first started around like See, but here's the, the thing. Episode. Haven't you ever <sighs> haven't you ever watched something and been like, God, this is a grease fire, but look at this young lady right here. She's just acting her heart out. You don't get that when you watch Well, it wasn't just it wasn't just Mary that. Jane. Like, yes, I like she was acting 
she was acting well. She was doing a good job acting. Um, it was just. But, this, I, but uh, what I mean is, like, she was doing such a good job that, like, it put her on another level. Well, and so her, it just made her co-stars around her look like they were like awful. in the way of the camera. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it just. It's just that I know that person. Yeah. And like that, I think was what did it for me. Is that like I, I just I was very turned off by it because I'm like, oh, I can't. Like, I can't watch. Um, a show where like the main character is basically like you know someone who used to be my friend like yeah. it's just it's like um i was triggering i mean i will say it didn't hold like i i i can be here for a mess mm-hmm. if it's a good mess mm-hmm. but it wasn't a good mess which is sad i but mean it, i don't know how it's gotten since then obviously but. apparently it's very good because it's still I, know. I think it's still airing yeah i think it is which is great remember they used to do those little like couch talks during the first season after each episode, it was like a 15-minute thing. I don't remember. And it was like... Did we watch for that long? We only watched a few episodes, but it was after every episode during the first season where it was like a little five or 15-minute segment uh, where they were like talking about it because they were really trying to get oh, it off the ground. Oh, oh, oh. I, I don't know what you're talking about because I'm thinking... What I thought of was the couch chats that Issa Rae has with like everyone else on the cast oh. after Insecure. Oh, no, not that. That was immediately what came to mind for mm-hmm. some reason. And that's totally mm-hmm. not. I don't remember that because we binged like we, we watched it on demand when we watched Being Mary I Jane. Know. I know. Well, I hope she's doing well. Um, so uh, what do you want to talk about? What you got well, I'm there? older now. Yes. Yeah, I'm older. Um, and I just want to say to, uh, thank you to everybody who wished me happy birthday on social media and sent messages. It was very nice. Um, I'm coping well now that I'm 34. Um, coping well. Coping well. That's kind of. All it is, you know, I'm like, come on, 40, hurry up. I just want to get older. That sounds like a town coping well, coping well, coping well, Massachusetts. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of rolling, uh, hills, hills. Yeah. Yeah. That's just what I imagine. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we also saw, (laughs) we also went to see the first purge last week. Um, which I mean, I think I can speak for both you and I left us a bit rattled. Oh yeah. Um, and we went to see it with uh, with Miss Jade, mm-hmm. who we had not seen in a while. So that was also a very interesting experience because we all had um, kind of different things about it that affected us. Do yeah. you want to talk about? I that? mean, very simply said, the the movie depicts um, a very very white America um, orchestrating an event that uh, th- its only purpose is to kill people of color, mm-hmm. and it was just too fucking real. Yeah, it was just too like. I I mean I I try not to with with movies like this like cuz like think about the first the very first purge movie it's meant to be like it's meant to be a distraction from life and that's how it's delivered and there was just something about the the way this was done this was done far too well for this caliber of mm-hmm. like an action movie was, horror movie yeah it was very real um and what was strange well not strange but what affected me the most about this movie is that to me at least i don't know how many were there three four before this i can't even remember at this point three Three. this is the fourth it's the fourth movie so and we've seen all three of them and i've never been left like like basically feeling like on the verge of an anxiety attack after watching one of these movies because at the end of the day i'm like oh yeah okay fine like that's a really fucked up like dystopian fantasy and and vision and all of that but i can just walk away with it and leave the movie in you know fantasy land where it belongs but with this one you know kind of talking about how the purge began and you know also incorporating 
like the you know the calling it the experiment you know where they start off like trying to see if this will work to prove that they need to do it every year and it, it taking place on staten island so it's like divorced from you know basically cut off from everything else um and in the projects it really it did we mention me. spoilers Oops. oh those are spoilers i'm sorry um okay oh well um <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't but, feel like the type of movie where a spoiler is anyway keep going i mean anyway yeah sorry so for sorry me, you, what listeners. impacted me the most was you know the, similar to you but it was also this this idea of kind of voluntary extermination like the fact that they preyed on they preyed on people by offering them money to stay or to purge like to to participate or just to stay so it was like it's like so if you having them join got, the military yeah but the thing was the people who were volunteering to stay because they wanted this five thousand dollars were basically volunteering to become targets which i mean is obvious from the point of view of the people who were orchestrating this in a way yes but i don't think that they i i, I really i really get a sense from the the feeling of the other characters in the movie that they didn't take any of this seriously. They didn't think this was going to be a real thing. Oh, no, no. I, I know they didn't. I'm talking about, like, if you look at it from an outside perspective or yeah. from the perspective I mean, of the they took it seriously enough, but, like, yeah. they didn't... They thought that just being, like, you know, like, all grouped together in one space, that that would keep them safe. Yeah. So... It was just... It was very fucked up, and I felt like it was far... It's far too plausible. Right. <laughs> like, I... I, you know, like partially grew up in, in the projects in Spanish Harlem. Um, and the, you know, there, there are scenes where they're going into the, like this one project tower and just like the narrowness of the hallways, the fact that it's always a you, you know, so there's a beginning and an end to like, it's, it's a very tight space. Cause you know, these, these buildings are made to be efficient and economical. And so like, also like, and this is totally unrelated, but like a great depiction of, of the the of a community living in the projects oh absolutely like such an accurate depiction yeah. where even like a person which who's you, like you a, never get it's always yeah. like comedically offensive mm-hmm. but this was or like, not comedically cartoonishly offen- offensive yeah and there was this kind of like togetherness that was depicted that way i thought was very interesting especially how like 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 one of the like antagonists you know the the like drug dealer and like arms dealer for you know for all yeah, intents yeah. and purposes in the end became the hero because even though he was like selling drugs to his community and kind of polluting it it was still his community <laughs> so like um that was a very interesting twist but it's very much like that in the projects like you know it's like my grandmother used to tell me when when you know we would tell her hey you know everybody's kind of left like you know like why don't you and and, and my grandfather like move closer to us in the bronx so that you know it's a little easier and everybody can take care of each other she's like no no, because I know who the bad people are in this neighborhood. And it, it it's that um kind of like, you know, that's the drug dealer. You know, that's like the, you know, the guy who steals things or, uh-huh. or whatever. But you know them and they know you. And if they know that you're not posing them any threat, they will. Hey, how are you? How's your grandkid? Like, da, 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 da. Like, yeah, it, it's weird. It's almost like you're protected. Right. At least that was my perception growing up. So to see all of this un- unraveling, um on the screen and, and the buildings look so similar. It was just like, I, I was a bit traumatized at the end, but I think it was a really good movie and very well done, but very real. I remember thinking at a certain point, damn, if I were you, I don't know that I would have been able to sit through this. Me? Yeah. Because I mean, being someone who has only been in the projects since we met, I looked at 
that and I was like, wow, that really yeah. looks just like... Like the chain link fencing, you know, that they used to like fence in the greenery was the same. The bricks were the same. The way the like keypad and the doors and it was just like... Yeah. I never felt unsafe in the projects. Right. In spite of the gunshots and, you know, knowing that people sometimes were like shooting up on the corner. Like those things were just explained for what they really were. Right. But there was never like this negative thing put on any of that. It's just like, well, in certain neighborhoods, these things happen. So just be right. careful. Right. So I felt very safe. And this, this movie kind of took away the amount of uh, safety that I feel that I have when I'm in the projects or like visiting my grandparents, for example. Hmm. <clears throat> that was very strange. I was not expecting that, but there you go. Hmm. Um, do we want to move on from that or do you, Oh yeah. Do you have any- oh, that okay. Was my, that was my bow. Oh, um, so we wanted to give a shout out to our sister, Jake Lee, who was just on Pose on FX, um, which you should be watching anyway, because it's incredible. But um, if you need more of a reason, uh, Jiggly was on the last episode um, and it was great seeing her on TV again. And yeah, I'm really excited to see maybe this will turn into a full-fledged character. Who knows? She looked good in the 80s. She did. That was like the first thing that popped into my head. I was like... Okay. I, it was a very different lens to see her through because like, you know, she's on our, like sitting with us on our sofa most of the time. Right. And so to see her like, you know, no, like no ponytail, no long hair. It's kind of this curly, like, you know, uh-huh. it was, a, it was a very strange, um, like it really took me out. I'm like, Oh, that's Jiggly. Oh yeah. my God. This is it. Like it was very nice. It was very, very I remember seeing her and being like, look at Jiggly in the eighties. Mm hmm. And I believe that she would be there. Uh, was she like filing or painting her nails or something? Yeah. yeah she. Mm-hmm. Oh no, she was putting on eyelashes. Oh, that's what she was doing. They dropped the clothes on them. Oops. And I was like, mm, that's Rude. fucked up. Um. Also, I want to give a shout out to Kareem. Oh yes, he just like he sent us that nice message. Kareem McJagger. Sorry, I didn't say his full name. He just Kareem sent us Abdul a really Jabbar. nice. Mc- who? Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Um. <laughs> I mean, he knows who he is. Uh. But um. He just sent us a nice message today, and it just mm-hmm. meant a lot to both of us. It was so, very nice. Um, Thank you for still yeah. listening. Yeah. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about something pretty heavy when we come back from the break. So um, just know that this is your trigger warning, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to talk about grief. Yes. And we're just going to kind of like unpack it because it just been something that's sitting in our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, so stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the key key going. We're back, and it's time to talk about grief. I know. Um, <laughs> I just got really nervous subject. about it. Yeah. It's... Well, yeah, I mean, well, I, I think we should talk about just briefly how we decided to touch on this. So going forward, we're going to start incorporating storytelling or, or some sort of um, narrative subject into the like the middle segment of our episodes because um we found that a lot of uh listeners really uh responded well to the pride series that we were doing during june and and we really enjoyed it so why not you know 
pick topics and we also like telling stories. Yeah. And I don't know, but I don't know about you, Robert, but like grief is something that for me is um, kind of more easy to talk about, I think, than most people that I know. Like, I'm not afraid of talking about it. Like, I feel like a lot of people when it talk when they when it comes to grief and grieving and sadness and traumatic episodes, um, they they don't want to talk about it. And, you know, everybody has their reasons and everybody's entitled to it. But I've always found that I come it it, it comes very easily to me to talk about uh, traumatic things that have happened to me and how I've dealt with them. Hmm. Um, I wonder why that is. I also talk a lot. Well, yes. So, and I'm an open book. Like, I don't hide anything. Hmm. So it's, I don't know. I think it's a good thing sometimes. Sometimes it's a bad thing. But, uh, you know. I think, I mean, speaking as someone who doesn't allow their emotions to show most of the time, um, I think part of it is that we didn't see everyone showing emotion. Hmm. You know, it was just the women. Mm -hmm. And it was... You know, it was in, like it was like drilled into our minds that if we cried, we were a girl, mm-hmm. you know, mm. um, I mean, that's my experience. Mm-hmm. I've, I feel like that's a common that's somewhat of a common experience for people like Hispanic kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it goes back to that because I know that specifically within my family, um, there have been two deaths where it was like. Like, the first one, it was very, like, oh, I'm not allowed to show my grief, even though I'm grieving. Like, even though we're all grieving as a family. Um, and I don't know. For some reason, it just felt like it was we weren't allowed to grieve out loud uh, on that first one. Um, and then, I guess, the second one, which happened when I was older, um, I, w- I guess I wasn't as, like, I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't like, paying attention to what everyone like what everyone else was doing. Mm-hmm. I was kind of just like, I'm just going to feel what I need to feel. And that's that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just, it's odd. And it's like, it's just odd how everyone deals with grief. Like, it's just like, it's a feeling. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. Why keep it bottled up? Um, I actually found, and I don't, I mean, I don't know if this was the healthiest way to do it, but I was going through a breakup before we met. Um, obviously. And, <laughs> Um, and I was grieving my, like, I was grieving my relationship. And so what I would do is I would force myself to leave the house. And I knew that, like, if I cried really quickly right before I left the house and, and then like, I then would have like a good four hours before I needed to cry again, Mm. if that makes sense. But it was like, I don't know. It was like a release of some kind. Like I was, Mm, I was working toward a goal. Crying is like going to the bathroom. That's how I've always looked at it. It's like you have all this buildup. In this case, it's emotions. And like crying is just your body's way of like getting rid of them. And sometimes you cry and you don't even have tears. I just think it's like because like when I cry, even though I'm I'm really upset or sad or frustrated, whatever it may be, Mm -hmm. I'm crying. But my body feels like it's relaxing. If that makes any sense. Like, mm. like when I cry, like I feel the heaving and all of that, like coming through my esophagus and my diaphragm, but the rest of my body just feels like the tension's going away. Hmm. Like you've never felt like a complete stillness when you're like <sighs> done crying. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's as if there was localized anesthesia. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not localized. General. Well, yeah. general anesthesia mm-hmm. everywhere, but in your face. 
for me because I definitely yeah. feel my face like I, I I yeah yeah I always feel like calm swollen and numb yeah that sounds good mm-hmm. <laughs> um I'm just thinking like um it's been a while since something has made me so angry that I've cried because mm. that's usually like the bigger motivator if I'm mm-hmm. feeling if I'm feeling grief um it needs to be like an overwhelming amount of grief mm-hmm. to cry otherwise i just you know feel sad mm-hmm. like for a little while and then i it kind of passes but um it's been a very long time cuz i you know i think i'm grateful that um i should be grateful that i don't have anything to cry about like you know yeah so um where do you want to go next with this i don't know i feel like it's like a weird and we talked about this yesterday at length yeah um, so you're going to get the abridged version. Um, I mean, I, I'll just start. So I, I guess for me, the, the, like the, the biggest life changing event in my life, um, was when my mother passed away a little over nine years ago now. It'll be 10 years in February. Mm-hmm. And like, it, I, I definitely define my, um, kind of, um, you know, BC and AD <laughs> parts of my life, um, in terms yeah. of before my mother passed away and after my mother passed away, because right. literally everything before my mother, every, everything in my life and the, the life I had before my mother passed away, um, feels like it feels like I wasn't there. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, in Harry Potter, those, the memories, like how in the pensive where Dumbledore, like put something in the water and then you can see the memory and there's like this hall where all the little memories are in these like balls. Uh huh. So that's my, my life before my mom passed away is like this little ball that contains it all. Like it's very separate. I'm taking your word for this. Cause I don't remember. Okay, this well, at I'm, all. I'm basically like it, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it has its own I, compartment. I, think I get what you're trying there's, to say. Yeah. So like something stopped uh-huh. and then something new began. Right. And so there i feel like there is um uh like a, a gap you know that there's like this break and i and i don't have any attachment to what happened before if that makes sense like it's it's all very um all those memories were with my mother and then i had to start making new ones without her oh and that is um i think my way of coping with that was kind of turning them into two separate lives in my head oh in a way that's interesting. Like I know that I didn't actually have two separate lives, but it's a it no, was but a way I get of, what you mean. Yeah, it's also how I when I remember my mother or talk about like the good times. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't make me sad. Talking about this makes me a little sad. But yeah. there are people who I've met and friends of mine who have lost their parents or a loved one, and you know, and they can't talk about them. Yeah, like it. It is. It. It's. Um. They're gone. Mm-hmm. Like they don't. You know that. That's it. And so, for me, I. I can talk about my mother and, you know, the time that we spent together and feel very happy about it Mm -hmm. because I haven't attached anything negative to it. Yeah. But again, I'm, I'm not (laughs) in any way like, um, but didn't qualified to make that assessment, but that's how I feel about it. Weren't you always somewhat conscious of like, someday I'm going to be able to think about her without getting sad. Like even when you were sad, when you thought about her. No. Well, yes. But the thing was like, when she passed away, I wasn't sad when I thought about her necessarily. Like, mm-hmm. so anyway, my mother passed away very suddenly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the only way it makes sense. And so um, within like a day, I had to, you know, decide where we were going to have the wake. Um, oh, my God, we don't have a plot. What are we going to do? You mm-hmm. know, like pick the urn, pick the, the, the like little 
religious cards? Yeah. You know, like, do we want fans? Do we not? Do we, you know, like all of this stuff, what is she going to wear? What's her makeup going to be like? Like, I was thrown into this kind of whirlwind of um, decision making because my father and brother were um, kind of paralyzed by it. Uh-huh. Um, but since I was the closest with my mom, I just kind of like went into disaster recovery mode you know like right. the day after calling all the credit cards and bank accounts like you know 12 hours after my mom had passed away right i was i knew i had to do all of this because if i waited longer then i wouldn't have the drive to do it right um and also it you keep busy mm-hmm. you know um and so so the reason I, I i said all of that is because when i when i did think about my mom shortly after she passed away I didn't feel sad because it almost wasn't like she was gone. Because, like, it was like a phantom limb type of thing. Ah. Um, I was more, like, angry by what had happened. Like, to me, this was, like, another event, mm-hmm. you know? But it was, like, the worst event ever. Yeah. And and so, in my mind, I was like, well, we got to do this for her because, like, she needs this. Mm-hmm. Like, it really was... Um, thinking of her needs yeah <laughs> in a in a matter of speaking and that's kind of how i got i got through those few days yeah um i think that answers i just question, think sure. you're i mean the uh, my experience of it is going to be different obviously because it's not my mother but um from what you talk about because your mother haunts you from time to time oh absolutely in your dreams and it's kind of she's like when you are feeling sorry for yourself mm-hmm. or like overthinking something she shows up to slap you back into reality mm-hmm. and it's every time every time you've got like a big decision it at work never or like fails every time she shows up in a dream and it's just like snap out of it like yeah. well it, it's um it'll be like so anytime i've uh, like you said a big decision or i've been bad like i if i've been mean to like you or my father or like we yeah. you know if if i've done if i've wronged somebody yeah. by being angry or whatever um She'll show up and it'll be a memory, right? Like something really innocuous and benign and and not really terribly important. Um, so it's like she's still giving, yeah. she's still giving her commentary. Yes, that's so, how it feels. But it, but so I, it's like I, she's still here. I transport back to very specific moments, ah. and then it's like I'm in them, and then all of a sudden she starts talking about what just happened, mm. and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, huh? Like we're in this moment, you mm. know? Because I'm not conscious of the fact that I'm not actually there. Right. It's a dream. And then her voice will change, and she looks at me, and she's like, yeah, and you need to fix that. Because you know what? It's not so bad. You could be dead. Right. And then, poof. That's like her catchphrase. Yeah. At it's, this point, it's like, you could be dead. It it's like no you're, whining. It's like you're Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and she's like, you know. Mm-hmm. That's her tagline. It's just like, it's 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 always so interesting that it happens again and again and again like you'll tell Mm -hmm. me about it i'm like "Mm, Mm -hmm. this makes sense whereas i have like check-ins with my nephew and my cousin um and they're always like they always leave me sad but like you know it's it's just like a reminder that they're like they're fine Mm -hmm. like you're the memory of them is fine Mm -hmm. um with my nephew specifically, I, I like the dream is of him like running through a um, through a field, mm-hmm. and the blades of grass are just really high, and so his like chubby little legs are like brushing up against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with my cousin, it's usually we run into each other somewhere in public, and she starts to talk to me about like some TV show, like The Real World, or Keeping Up with the Kardashians, like something like something like what we would talk about, like mundane, and. 
like I remember on one of them we were on a bus and she got to her stop and was like, "Come on, come over." And I was like, "I can't. I have to go home because like I already know the oh yeah, you're not the whole thing where you never, never, um, never go with them wherever mm-hmm. they invite you in your dream. Yeah. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> it's it. I mean, all the superstitions that come along with it too are very interesting. I it's think. so silly. It sounds mm-hmm. so silly, but anyway, with, so with them, I have more like check ins. They're not like here to you know mm-hmm. whip me back into shape or whatever mm. so i think that's i think it's interesting because that's the type of relationship you had with your mom mm-hmm. and so um I, I don't i had i had a i had a friend like relationship with my cousin and so mm-hmm. we would give each other advice and mm-hmm. she's not like giving me advice i just i think it's interesting that your mom <laughs> from the afterlife finds a way to <laughs> Like to the, put her two cents in, I think that's amazing. Moments where I love I'm like, that. oh my god, why are you being such a pain in the ass right now? Not that I would have ever said that to her, because I never did. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I don't think I ever swore around my mom, because she hated it. Like, she was very good at swearing. Like, she considered it a talent. Like, she was like, if, if you're going to use a word like that... Mm-hmm. Learn how to use it. It's like you know, like like um, like gay slang, like it, or drag yes. slang. It doesn't. Ooh. It is. You're not always gagged. You're not always. You know. You gagged don't always yell work. Like it. it there are. There are. I'm um, shooketh. Huh? You're shooketh. Exactly. There. There are places and situations where it's appropriate and where it just doesn't make any sense. Right. So because I didn't consider myself skilled in the art of swearing, I didn't really do it in front of my mother. Right. Um. I was going somewhere with that and it totally got lost. Um, but my, my mom was kind of my, uh, my, uh, like my moral compass mm-hmm. and like my conscious to a certain extent. Yeah. And we always, um, were kind of checking in with one another. Like, I don't know. I'm like, Hey, are you okay? Like I call her at work. And she's like, Oh my God. And I'm like, I knew it. So it's, it was kind of symbiotic in a way. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people who who knew her and know me and and people in her family like had a hard time at the at the funeral because they said I sounded like her or if I gave them a hug I hugged like her because we were so similar. Um, That's weird. Yeah, and also like I would maybe call to say thank you for something a little while after the funeral, and on more than one occasion I got a. <gasps> Yvette and I'm like no it's me because my voice is different on the phone mm-hmm. it's like lower um so there's that I, I don't know if that has a lot to do with it but it's um it's very layered I think sure mm-hmm. I mean I don't know I I I get why like I get why someone would do that but I think that the person doing it is a big idiot so I'm not commenting on that <laughs> It just it seems they like showed up to my mother's do. funeral and very kind, so I can't say those things. Right, but, right, 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 right. You right. know, there were moments I think in in the grieving process where like you're taken out of it. At least I was on occasion, mm-hmm. and it was either for something ridiculously funny and stupid, or a moment where I was like, "What the fuck is going on right now?" Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's strange. It's kind of, it has to be one extreme or the other. You know, right? Um, which is also for me anyway another. Um, uh, fun element of grieving is that you never know when you're going to snap in and out of it or oh, snap yeah. out of it or go back into it. It's like, I don't know. That's why when I was going through the breakup, I was like, I'm going to make sure that all of my crying fits are like chipping away at this like big grief boulder mm-hmm. that's just sitting there. 
And so what I would do is I would put on headphones. I had a playlist that I would play. And it was like I was just trying to cry as much as possible. And I felt like that sped it up. I But I feel like it's not the same when you lose a person. I feel like it's just like there are two different forms. There are two different types of grief. And so there's two different forms of grieving. Well, with yeah. The two things. I mean, it's funny because like that was, and I even hate to bring up this show, but on House on the New York Housewives this season, um, a lot there was a lot of talk about you know how you how you talk about somebody who's passed away as opposed to somebody who you've like broken up with or divorced and like like those um you know how how the grief is different yeah you know. And seeing that <laughs> was interesting to me because I think losing somebody and knowing that they're never going to be there again, it, it, it I, I assume it's different than like breaking up with somebody or ending a friendship, you know, but I think it all depends. I think it's on... different for the person who's lost, like whose person has died. Like it's definitely different for them, mm-hmm. but the other person doesn't know what it feels like. Or, or, or maybe they do, but they're not grieving about losing somebody in that moment do do you know what i mean like i i think it's like comparing and contrasting and i guess not that you're doing it but like quantifying grief yeah that's not something that should be done it's not something that should be done but you should never tell somebody my grief is deeper than yours right that's also like a um uh, again i think that there are silly things to grieve over like i don't know missing a bus or like you know something that people will often get like totally broken up about i think like if it's an if it's a loss of Mm -hmm. um you know such enormous proportions like a person or your house or you know and again here i am quantifying it but i think that there are those things that are universally accepted as as being worthy of grief and then there are those things where it's like all right, listen, like it, like it could be worse. You could be dead. I mean, yeah. and, you know, that's something people say. But regardless, I think it's important to get over it. So, so you know, fill the ocean mm-hmm. and then build the bridge and but get over you, it. Because, yeah, I'm, I don't believe that you actually ever get over it, like whatever that it is. Oh, I wasn't talking about when you lose a person. I was talking about like when you're feeling an emotion. You should feel that emotion, regardless of what it is. Oh, 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 oh. You mean... You should allow yourself to feel the emotion? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you should take action. No, of course not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying allow yourself to feel it and to sit in it for a second, because it's like, it wakes you up in a way. Well, yeah, and the thing is, if um, if you basically, like, put it away because you're ashamed of it or you feel like you're not entitled. Cause I think that's also a lot, you know, when people don't grieve about things or, you know, like, ah, I have no reason to be upset about that. It's like, I feel like you create a very like complicated type of shame associated right. with your grief. And right. then you can't grieve right. about anything, you know, yeah. be it a, like a, a, a boyfriend, a person passing away, you know, like something you didn't get, like, I now I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah. put it like l- experience the feeling, but also put it in context. Yeah, because that's very important. Like, yeah. you can't like run, you know, like rail like a what do you call that? Um, steamroll you because then yeah, like how are you going to build yourself up? Well, but and that's what I mean is that like don't don't live in it. Mm-hmm. That's why what I mean like fill the ocean mm-hmm. and then build the bridge. Yeah, it was a river. It should to be a pond to, to cross over it. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that was like an ocean. That's going to be a big bridge. Good luck. Um, yeah, I think it. It. Um, I don't think you get over it. I think it. You learn how to live with it. 
because at the end of the day, like these things that we experience are become a part of our like history and our like um, our own narrative. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how can you get over something that's always going to be there? It's like um, like a trail, you know? Yeah, like it's part of your footprint at a certain point. It, I think it it is an in a way, but it doesn't have to define it. I guess. Oh, that's what it's I mean. Like a, it's a lesson. Yeah. It's like understand what happened, how you can contextualize it, and what you can learn from it. Well, yeah. You know? Like from my mother's passing, I um I had a lot of growing up to do very quickly. Uh-huh. Um I just didn't I didn't know that the tools were there for me because she'd basically given them to me. Uh-huh. And so I felt totally lost for a good maybe almost a year where I was uh-huh. just like going through the motions and people were, you know, saying, Hey, let's go out. Come. I've already arranged it. You don't have to think about it. Let's go, you know? And cause I was also kind of left in charge of everything at home too. So yeah. it was very stressful for me. Um, but, um, I, I then learned that, you know, I mean, not to be cliche about it, but you can go at any minute. Yeah. You know, like we didn't know my mom, you know, was going to have this, this like weird bacteria that, you know, she probably been harboring for a while and activated and, you know, like uh, it was not very fun um it was awful i mean so like we didn't we didn't know that so you never know right what's gonna happen sorry that was just a very weird moment for me um so i learned to kind of be a little more proactive in my life and um also like specifically with my family not live for them which was something that i was doing quite a bit yeah and um people were not very happy about that well right you know you just have to learn from it i guess yeah Mm -hmm. um well, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we are going to talk about something fun mm-hmm. to um, bring us back up. <laughs> um, so stick around. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. We're back and it's time to read some of your listener questions. I'm excited about these. Well, I'm always excited about them, but these are interactive. Um, Why don't you go ahead and read that first one? Oh, I wanted to read the second one. (laughs) You're so mean. Fine. I'll read the first one. It's less work anyway. Please and thank you. So Brian R. writes, I love your podcast and especially enjoy the great interviews you do. I'm wondering how you prepare for the interviews. They always come off as very well researched and the questions are so insightful. Um, A fleet enema is always a great way to get prepared. I Um, do all the work. Wow. Just so everybody knows. Wow. Um, Robert doesn't even you're gonna, read, you're read my to, articles. You're going to lie to these fine people that are listening to the show. So you tell them the truth. <laughs> How dare you? You want my mother to come <gasps> after you in your dreams? Ah! I wouldn't know what she looked like. There's a picture right there. Don't worry. It's pretty similar. Um, <laughs> for all I know, she's already been in your in my uh, dreams. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I think 
there was a time where we used to split up the work. But wait. I mean, I was just kind of kidding about that. It wasn't really like. Well, I feel like if we're doing an episode about Drag Race or if we're doing like one of these current events ones, um, you do most of the work. But I think um, with the interviews, I think we split it up pretty evenly. Yeah. And just do a lot of like sleuthing, like digital mm-hmm. sleuthing. Like you, you go through all the social media and I basically start like, you know, Googling them. Looking or for interviews. And even even if they're girls that we know. You know, like I know we know of, we've seen perform, like that we know personally. I still go online and do that because there are things that, you know, they may have said that haven't been explored as much. Yeah. Or, I mean, m- most importantly, is this something that they've already talked about at length? You can go, like, it just doesn't. Um, and frequently. Yeah. Um, I don't, um, you know, like, how did you come up with your drag name? Which yeah. is a. a a question I think we actually kind of did away with at a certain point. Yeah, because when um, we first started doing the interviews, it was like, oh, what a great question. Let's yeah. make sure it's everywhere. And it's like that couldn't be the, like... Oh, my God. The know. queens hate that question so much. They're so... They were, they've always been so gracious, though. Yeah. Like, answering it, you know? And I think it's one of those questions in particular that just kind of has to come up. Because mm. it's like some people ju- just will admit, I don't have an interesting story behind my drag name. Yeah. Like, it just is, you know, it's not this, like, defining moment. Yeah. You know? Um, but with that being said, we do just, like, dig through everything. I mean, I think one of the best examples of the research and development department hard at work was when we were doing research for Sasha Valor's interview. Mm-hmm. Because we had not seen her perform in person um, and kind of didn't really know that much about her at the time. And so I fell into like a YouTube hole, mm-hmm. just like going from video after video after video yeah. and just like being fascinated by the visuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, I don't know if it's annoying from like a, a collegiate perspective that everyone else just got to watch Drag Race and get to know Sasha Valor. I'm like, damn you. I did all this summer reading. Um, but there was, I mean, no, but it was enjoyable. Know. It was enjoyable as hell. Like, yeah. seriously. Also, the fact that, like, even before Drag Race, she and she wasn't on. She hadn't. It hadn't been announced or anything that she was on um, when we interviewed her, and it wasn't even a, the focus of what we were doing. Which I, I loved. I absolutely loved that. Oh, like, yeah. We didn't have to ask a single Drag Race questions. Not, not that we knew, you know, or anything. Um, mm-hmm. But um, she certainly didn't tell us. I'll say that much. Oh yeah. Um, no. But, you know, we were working off of these, at least for me, these, like, really striking photos that our friend David took of her. And, yeah. you know, it kind of just got me, like, thinking about what we could ask her. And, you know, because she was so active kind of academically and creatively from the get-go. Yeah. Like, this is not, you know, all of this was in existence before Drag Race. It just got a big push. Yep. You know, the website, nightgowns, like, the the illustrations and all of that. And so, being able to find articles about this, and then also, like, about um, how she approaches drag, the way she approaches religion, and, and it was just, uh, it gave me such, like, an academic boner mm-hmm. to get to talk to her about all these things, because she was coming from a very academic place. Yeah. And so... I remember. Yeah. So I was just like, tell me more. Just keep on talking. Like, yeah. you know, um, especially when the look and the persona, it, it's so um, self-aware. I love mm-hmm. that. You know, I know a lot of people don't like, you know, people produce themselves, but I do, mm. especially if it's interesting. So anyway, that's like Robert said, an example of an interview where we really dug in. Yeah. Um, 
And sometimes we don't. Yeah. And sometimes we're like, well, let's just, you know, like we do have stock questions that we keep on hand Mm -hmm. and we do tailor them. But if we really don't know anything about a girl, we just kind of like dive in. And that's also very fun, too. Yeah. Because you just it's it really is a conversation as if you've just like met. Yeah. Um, So they all vary. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. all very different animals, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So our next question comes to us from Nina L. And uh, she's got a couple of them. So uh, she writes, uh, Nasty is the first song they have used twice for lip syncs. The first time being All Stars 1, Manila and Juju. Um, She does bring this up for a point, but I just wanted to point out that it is the second time that they've reused a song. The first time was with Stronger by Britney Spears. Um, That was used during season one when uh, BB sent Angina home. And then also in season nine for uh, round one of the lip sync for the crown. Um, With that out of the way, (laughs) Um, she asks, if this is accepted, what songs would you like to see re lip synced? Um, And I gather from a comment she makes further down that she means like lip syncs where like a lip sync where both girls went home, for example, is one that needs to be redone. However, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I will survive just doesn't work on that stage. Am I crazy? No, we can totally work. Wait, are we doing we're we're doing the re-lip synced. We're tackling each question separately though. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, no. I I think it definitely works on that stage. Um, and I think that the lip sync of that song was shameful. Oh yeah. Like that was so and it is the one time where like the, the silly little commentary that they do in the judges panel that is often shading. Yeah. I was like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Like you should know this song. Yeah. Like how can you and not know how you should be performing to this song? Like I'm, I'm a lot of songs convey emotion and, you know, give you clues mm-hmm. as to how. But like this one, you know. Yeah. Like you can feel it. Yeah. So it's like, how come we had that like dumpster fire of a lip sync? Right. That's why they both went home. Mm hmm. Um, the obvious one of uh, Honey and uh, Vivian, mm. which was um, "Oops, I Did It Again," you know, obviously needs to be redone. Mm-hmm. Um, also, but yeah. like, what a terrible. Also, was that? Did they have to wear gowns on that challenge? I forget exactly what that. I know Dax had that weird like apron dress, where like it looked like fabric had been added just to make it longer. Mm. But I didn't know if that was gowns or something that week. Um, hmm. But it 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 really was just like a bad choice for a lip sync song. But I would like to see that put back into rotation, like not necessarily redone by these girls. Yeah. But I would like to see it put back into rotation. Yeah, definitely. Um, and another obvious one is greedy. Oh, like yeah, that needs to be redone. Whether it's by Valentina or somebody else, it needs to be done by not her my first. business. Yeah. Like this has to be if if she is on All Stars 4, I really hope that like just as like a, a penalty, just you know, whatever, they make her do it without any like um what you call that repercussions. Just like girl, you like try. Yeah. I, like I would really enjoy that. Cause Nina deserved to actually have competition in that lip sync, I think. Yeah, and I don't think I mean we talked about this in the recap, but I don't think it was fair that Nina is over there like lip syncing the shit out of that song and then is forced to stop in the middle of it and then like have to tap into that same energy a second time. Like that's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, um the other yeah. one that I think like that that I think is a lot like that um is <clears throat> excuse me. Express is, yourself. Um, oh, I was thinking I want to go by Britney. 
because that also was like Trinity is tearing up the stage performing and Charlie just stands there for what whatever the reasons may be. Right. But it's like But Trinity really like, you know, she did that. Oh, I know, she but killed it. I like to see I like to see how they deal with each other on stage. Like that for me is is a lot of fun and it's like even though I guess going into it, even before Charlie stopped moving, I knew that Trinity was going to like wipe the floor with her. Uh-huh. Like at least try. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like a uh, competition is fun to see when it's an actual competition. Um, yeah. And you totally. were saying about express yourself. Oh, I think express yourself needs to be redone because I didn't really love that lip sync. Mm-hmm. And it's one of my favorite Madonna songs. Mm-hmm. Um, Although I feel like there are other songs by Madonna that they could do before express yourself. That would be more exciting. Um, specifically if they pick something a little bit newer mm-hmm. than the stuff that they've picked for the show. Um, although they did music. That's pretty, that's yeah. like one of the newer Madonna songs. I know. But um, having, having spent last night, uh, binging on a few, on more than a few Madonna videos and concerts. Uh-huh. I like the early stuff. I like early Madonna. I think Girl Gone Wild is a really good, um, is, is a really good lip sync song. Whenever a queen does that, I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. yep. I love it. But it's, I don't know, I like, um, kind of like classic Madonna. I classic Madonna is great. I'm just saying like, that's one of the newer ones that really works mm-hmm. um, for a, like a performance. And I feel like yeah. it would be great for Drag Race. Um, I mean, there's so many others too. But Yeah. Um, there was another one that I was just like scandalized by. I have oh, to Vogue. Say, Vogue needs to be redone. You think so? Oh, that was a terrible lip sync. Kenya didn't know the words. What about what Milan was doing though? It was okay. Milan was like voguing all over that stage. Yeah, but again, like, I want to see more of a, like, you know, like girls actually battling each other, I think. Milan was great, but I want to see this redone by another set of girls so, like, I can enjoy the lip sync on both ends. I think Kenya put up her version of a fight. I guess. No? I don't know. I mean, she, as good a fight as you can put up when you don't know the words. That's true. Was it? Was that? Was she was wearing, like, the little wrestler, like, outfit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess. <sighs> um, I'm sort of shocked, like looking at this list, because you printed out a beautiful list of all the lip sync songs mm-hmm. um, that they chose Really Don't Care by Demi Lovato as a lip sync song. I honestly, when I was going through this, I double checked this list because I was like, they did some of these songs. Also, like they chose Causing a Commotion for the Madonna episode on season eight. Like, really? That's like, that's the best you can do. I don't remember that song. Like, I know that song, but it's not one that I like. Put the girls to work and have them do like one of the more spoken wordy, like have them do what it feels like for a girl. Can you imagine? I was thinking about that song. <laughs> that would be hard in that Spanish. Would be so weird. Have them do the Spanish so version. Um, and I'm telling you, I'm not going. Needs to be redone. That is an iconic song, mm-hmm. and the fact that that lip sync was as bad as it was, um, it needs to be redone. Yeah. Um, what other ones did I write down here? Sorry, I'm thumbing through 21 pages of lip sync songs. Um, yeah, I mean, there are... Oh, Wrecking Ball needs to be redone. Actually, they just should not do Wrecking Ball. But if they were going to put it back, they should redo it. I think. Woman Up. Remember that shit? No. God, that was bad. Who was Woman Up? That's um, Megan Trainer. It was when Cynthia Lee Fontaine oh, and Pheromone uh, lip synced. I Megan Trainer, I can't, I can't just, handle. Some of these choices are like, I don't know. <gasps> oh, good as hell needs to be redone. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Mm. Yep. I want Monet to have a fair shot at it. I don't um, see that. 
Hmm? I don't see that. Why not? Um, I just think it wasn't a good choice from the beginning. Like, not from Lizzo. Give us something we can dance to. Worship would have been, like, the perfect. Worship is the perfect it, song. I mean, it is the, like... I was I was actually terribly disappointed when that song started playing. Mm. So I was like, really? Like, I get sometimes not going for the obvious thing, but, like, that song is so appropriate for what it is that these girls are doing in this competition. Right. You know? Like, come on. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to think about any more of those lip sync songs. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What's the next thing she asks? Are there any queens you want to see lip sync a previous song? I think... We went over that a little bit. I wasn't sure if this meant redo. Like a song that, that, that we're, they did? we're picking to redo. Like one of the songs on our list of the songs we want them to redo. Is there a particular queen you would like to see assigned to said song? Oh, you think that's what it means? That's what I'm getting from it, yes. Oh, well then, yeah. I think we kind of answered that a little bit. But yeah. um, just And just to add to it, I would love, I still would love to see Cameron Michaels do If because I think he would fuck mm-hmm. that up. I would still love love to see that. I'd love to see Asia O'Hara do nasty, like without the butterflies, Mm. like just to see what she would do. Interesting. You know, because like it was such a hindrance. I mean, of her own making. Yeah. yeah, yeah. um, And then the last thing she says is, would that be a fun theme for the next all stars lip syncs? Conquer the failures. And then it would include I will survive. Oops, I did it again. And greedy. Or maybe combine with the challenge to lip sync to classic winning lip syncs. mm -hmm. Uh, And she says, could you imagine the pressure queens would feel trying to top Dita Ritz's lip sync to this will be? I I I can't. I, I would. I would. I would pee my pads. I feel like given that on all stars, it's already the people like the two people who won that are lip syncing. Mm -hmm. I think it would add an extra layer of like, not frustration, but um, uh, of like nerve. If you then also had to top this like iconic lip sync. You know what? Bring back the fucking wheel on all stars and have the top two have to turn the wheel to lip sync to the song that sent either one of them home. Now that would be good, I think. Wow. That's too much. It would be great. Imagine how entertaining that would be. Mm. Like, and then, you know, if, if you happen to be like in the top four and like you didn't get sent home to a song, you know, again, before they started doing the wheel thing, like, I don't know, whatever, whatever song like you ended up in the bottom two for or whatever. But I think that that would be really, really amazing. I wonder how traumatic it is for these girls to perform these songs. Cause I know that a lot of them will then like conquer the song and, and turn it into a performance. They do like the night that they were eliminated or something. Mm-hmm. So um, thankfully for some of these girls, these songs are like just really bad. Like like that off-brand Selena Gomez song. Yeah. What like, the fuck what was, was that? that? I'm still like, boggled, you know, um, or uh, Pam Tillis, Live in La Vida Loca. I kind of liked that song. I did too. I didn't know about it, but, but I enjoyed it's like, it. I mean, Jiggly says that on the rare occasions that she hears it, not that it's played very often, that she's like, ooh. I did ask her if she, um, if she's ever performed it since. She was like, fuck no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I, I would I would like them to try doing <laughs> iconic, like, the best of the best. Yeah. You know, like there's, um, you know, this will be, there's um, Dancing on My Own that Robin and Juju did on All Stars, yeah. which is very, like, heart-wrenching. Um, yeah. I, I would I, I would love to see that. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um and remember we said we weren't gonna talk about drag race? Ha 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 ha. ha. In the beginning gotcha. I said, you know, we're gonna talk about it later, <laughs> so here you go. We're here. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> um, so that brings us to the end of our episode. Thanks for listening. Um, and uh, remember that we're Grizzly Kiki on everything. That means Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So be sure to follow us there. Yes. And please send your questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com and we'll read them on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. So until next time, see, see you, you next, next Friday. Friday.